You know everybody's got a to-do list. Drop off the dry cleaning, pick up some milk. Here's an idea. Let's add save hundreds of dollars on car insurance. And the good thing is you don't have to drop off or pick up anything. All you have to do is go to Geico.com, and in 15 minutes you could be saving 15% or more on car insurance. Extra money in your pocket. It just may be the most rewarding to-do you do today. Now Podcast One brings you Spike's Car Radio. A downloadable Cars and Coffee, hosted by writer, comedian, and automotive enthusiast, Spike Ferris. Now, here's Spike. <laughs> Are you still at SNL? You're still receptionist? Yeah, I am. You're uh, you're listening to Kevin Neal, and this is Spike. Spike's Car Radio. Hi, Kevin. Hey, Spike. I am still the receptionist of Saturday Night Live. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's where we first met. I feel like that when I as I sit across uh, from you. I, I, I interviewed Dennis Miller not too long ago, and I had the same feeling. You yeah, get yeah. kind of nervous because I'm still the I'm the 54 year old intern. Are you 54? I'm 54. No, there's nobody named Spike that's 54. <laughs> that's like a kid's name, Spike. But you know, it's funny. Um, uh, you kind of remember the person for what they were doing when you first met them. What do you remember yeah. about me? Well, you were you know a good receptionist. You were very ambitious, and you know you you had a lot of uh, talent. You know, potential. But, I mean, I was a bartender at the Improv for a couple of years. Really? And so, you know, there was like heavy-duty management companies that started seeing me uh, when I started doing stand-up and getting, you know, better mm-hmm. at it. And they come backstage and they say, I, d- I thought you were just a bartender. I didn't even know you did stand-up. <laughs> <laughs> you know? And that's what you thought about me. You thought uh, you, I was just a receptionist. That I had <laughs> no. gone to receptionist school. And <laughs> no, but I remember. I mean, I've met a lot of people, and I don't remember what they did for jobs when I first met them. Right. You know, but for you, I remember. Remember. Yeah, well, you've done that's, so well. That's season thirteen of Saturday Night Live. Was it really? That's Dana Carvey, Nora Dunn, Phil Hartman, Jan Hooks, Victoria Jackson, John Lovitz, Dennis Miller, yourself. That's uh, new new uh, uh, writer or featured player Ben Stiller. Do you remember what he was? Yeah, he was a featured player. I think. By the way, um, talk about knowing people when they had their like earlier jobs. I was a bartender at the Improv for two years, and Les Moonves was a bartender in the back. <laughs> In the showroom, the service bar. And how was he back then? Uh, he was um, he was busy. He was busy in the back. And I got to kind of like talk to all the people out front, and he had to deal with all the waiters and waitresses. But yeah, so I still see him as a bartender. Yeah. Well, he might be bartending these days. I think that's probably the <laughs> Take only a break. We'll be right place back. he's going to be able to work. Um, yeah. It's funny because I wanted to ask you about this because I don't know much about you before – you get into show business. I know there's a moment, I guess, in 1984 where you, you do The Tonight Show, and that's where you pop for the first time. I, don't, I'm not, I wasn't even sure what you were doing on The Tonight Show. Were you doing stand-up? Stand-up, on the, yeah. Stand-up. Stand up. Okay, so wh- take us back even farther. Um, what, where does it start off for you? Where do you get into comedy? Well, in a nutshell, I... I always loved comedy. I used to watch, you know, all the talk shows, mm-hmm. and I would highlight the TV guide of every comic that was going to be on George Miller or whoever, you know, all the comics back then, Stanley Myron Handelman, and um, and I just where loved is this? It. This is in Connecticut, Connecticut, okay, in Bridgeport, Connecticut, which is a very industrial city. People think, oh, you're from Connecticut, you're very wealthy family, you know, but no, it was blue collar town. It was very, it, it was it was the Detroit of, of Connecticut, <laughs> <laughs> you know. <laughs> And um, and I would watch the comics, and I always loved comedy. And um, and I remember the day I decided to go to Los Angeles. I was raking leaves, listening to the radio outside. I had to turn the radio up loud because you know when you're raking leaves, it makes a lot of noise, <laughs> and the ground's still a little hard, you know, from the winter. And um, and um, and Freddie Prince uh, had killed himself, and I used to watch him on the Tonight Show all the time, you know. 
mm-hmm. the Hungarian. Mm-hmm. And he, he uh, and for some reason, I thought there's an opening. <laughs> there's an opening to do stand up, you know. But no, it, it made me realize how important stand up was and what an impact it was making on right. on society. And what did your parents do? My, they've always been very supportive of me. Yeah, I went well, to college. What, what were they doing? What were, oh, they, what were doing? they doing? Yeah. What did your um, dad, mom and dad do for a living? My father was an aeronautical engineer. Very okay. smart. So he, my loves, mother he was... loves the idea of you and stand-up comedy. <laughs> He's like, perfect. This Are is they, exactly I, what I was thinking for my son. Yeah. In hindsight, I, I, you know, they told me they were a little nervous for me. But mm-hmm. I went out to L.A. with a friend of mine. Um, and I always kidded back then. I said, I, I moved to L.A. to pursue a career in part-time jobs. Because that's what you do when you're doing stand-up. You get a lot of part-time jobs. <laughs> And we, uh, my friend John and I moved to San Diego for a couple months because we wanted to check that out. And we became department store Santa Clauses for um, two months, <laughs> July and August. <laughs> no, it was uh, December, November, December. And, uh, and he Is actually- Is it hard to become a department store Santa? No, Is no. It pretty you, much, it's hobos you don't and have the to unemployed, take a right? <laughs> yeah. It's anybody. I was, I was 24, I think. And uh, they had the worst costumes. It was like a cotton beard. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, I had black eyebrows and I was thin. And um, and my buddy and I went bar hopping the night, like two nights before Christmas. He dressed as his Santa Claus, and I carried the candy canes in the camera. We're getting free to all these discos because mm-hmm. it was discos back then. And he met his uh, future wife at one of the things of Santa Claus, and um, they they moved in together. And I moved up to L.A. and just got into stand up. Wow! Out of all the things I've done, and you know I've done a lot of things, Mike. Yes, sir. The Tonight Show with Johnny Carson was the highlight of my career to this yeah, point. Right. Because I wanted to do stand-up. Right. And that was my, like, passing your bar exam, if you get on with the uh, Johnny Carson. And, 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 and then I got called over to do panel with him after that. So that was, like, you know, a double bonus for me. And I've never had more of a natural high than after I did that and when it aired that evening. I mean, I was floating. I felt like I won the lottery. <clears throat> Isn't that interesting? I hear that a lot in comedy. I even said it. I was I was telling someone I was being interviewed the other day. The first joke I saw that I wrote that was on the air felt like a drug high. Yeah, and yeah. then we're chasing it for the rest of our <laughs> lives. Right? It. Is that what you did? Uh, yeah. I mean, I've, I've um, I will do things. I'll do Saturday Night Live, and then I'll say, "Is this better than the Tonight Show?" No. <laughs> I'll do Weeds. No, not better. No. Did you ever get uh, to socialize with Johnny Carson? Uh, just on panel. And, uh, I remember how nervous I was going out there for the first time and uh, walking out to my spot. I forgot my act. I couldn't remember oh, the Jesus. beginning of it. So what do you do? I, well, by the time the audience stopped applauding, I remembered m- my act. And then I was so nervous. My mouth was so dry. When I smiled, my top lip stuck to my uh, gums. And I didn't want to lick my lip because I had cotton mouth because <laughs> they know I was nervous if I licked my lip. So I adjusted by bringing my lower lip up. Like, ah, you know, I look like Stan Laurel. Uh, but um, is but, this? Can we find this on YouTube? Yeah, is it oh, yeah, there? it's on YouTube yeah, somewhere. Oh I think. I think We're it is. I mean, it's on that Johnny Carson yeah. Network thing. How exciting! And is, is this a time where you're? Is that a show you're watching and just dreaming of being on it at oh, that time? Is you know, that? Yeah, is and not Johnny only Carson that. Guy? When I first came out to L.A., I would go there every day to Burbank, and I knew they give out tickets to everybody, and everybody got like two tickets, and mm-hmm. I knew everybody wasn't using their tickets, all of them. So I would go up the line. Around five, right before they started, I said, "Does anybody have an extra ticket?" And I look really sympathetic, <laughs> and, and I'd always get a ticket. So it was like going to a Vegas show every yeah. day. And so I knew the band members. I knew exactly the wow. routine that you know the warm up beforehand. Wow. So it was really kind of a dream come true. And um, to this day, I'm you know it's been nothing like it. You're listening to Spike Firstin and Kevin Nealon. Kevin Nealon has a new series on YouTube, Hiking with Kevin. He's also one of the stars of CBS sitcom Man with a Plan, which is returning to the air February 4. He also does a, a lot of stand-up, and you can find out where he's doing stand-up at kevinnealon.com. Now, uh, 
after that moment, right, you start on SNL, if I'm not mistaken, 1986 is season yeah. 12? Yeah. Season 12, right? How do you get from, from is it that Carson spot that gets you that audition? Uh, no, no. It was, um, I was friends with Dana Carvey. Ah, Do you want to hear, I know a, lot, a lot of people ask me how I got on Saturday Night Live. Yeah, yeah. Although they phrase it more like this. How did you get on Saturday Night Live? <laughs> and they're angry. <laughs> I said, I know, right? The thing is, I showed up. I Basically, I showed up uh-huh. for the audition when I knew I didn't think I was right for it. But um, So I was um, renting a house in the Hollywood Hills with um, two other comics. And, uh, and Dana Carvey rented the apartment over the garage when he was in town from San Francisco. And we'd run around the Hollywood Reservoir. And I knew him from the clubs. And we were friends. And we'd kind of be in the driveway sometimes. And we'd jam on like character ideas and you know, impressions and stuff. Not that I wasn't an impressionist, mm-hmm. but... And so Dana got the show that summer. And also Jan Hooks, my girlfriend at the time, was up for it. So you were dating before. Oh, I yeah. thought that was a romance that happened no. season 13. I met Jan Hooks on, a, on an audition. I think it was at 20th Century Fox for some uh-huh. half-hour comedy show. And I was just, I was bedazzled by her talent and her, you know, her beauty. And mm-hmm. and we just hit it off. And... and um, I don't usually ask people for their phone number. I'm very shy, and I don't want to be rejected. But somehow I got her phone number. And um, we never dated for six years. We just became really good friends. we go to happy hours, and then she'd always go off on a date with a writer guy, you know, some loser <laughs> guy. And, and and then she'd always come back to me as a friend. Right. And, um, and I accepted that, and I became friends with her for six years. And then one night, we went out to the Palomino Club in North Hollywood, and we both had a couple of beers. And the next thing I know, we're involved romantically, you know, wow. for a year before SNL. So right. I was excited for her that she was about to you know, hopefully be on that show. And then Dana got selected to be on it and then how were you feeling at that moment though were you like god it's happening for everybody else but me no i wasn't even i i never even thought about going it wasn't even an uh you know an aspiration of mine to be on that show is is there a limited amount of funny people in the world at that moment that this just this cluster or no there was plenty of people i mean you guys are all together and you're all going to the same place i mean that's a remarkable it really coincidence i mean when you go to the groundlings and see all the talented people there are second city that actually do sketch comedy and characters and stuff and i'm a stand-up i'm just a stand-up a really good stand-up right (laughs) (laughs) so here's what happened i got a call from dana he goes and that summer he goes, Kev, I'm out at Lauren Michaels' house. And I'm against it. Guess who's in the kitchen? Bill Murray and Dan Aykroyd. I said, you're kidding me. He goes, no. Anyway, they're looking for one more cast member. And I told Lauren about you, and I think he's going to want to see your tapes. I said, Bill Murray and Dan Aykroyd are in the kitchen? <laughs> I wasn't even hearing that other stuff. He goes, yeah, someone's coming. I got to go. So he hangs up. So I send him my tapes, not thinking anything will come of it, because, you know, I'm not going to get that show. Right. And these and, are half-inch tapes with you doing Yeah, these are VHS right? tapes. VHS yeah. tapes. Okay. <laughs> that are still in my garage, by the way. Um, so um, two weeks later, I get another call from Dana. Kev, I'm back at Lauren Michaels' house. Guess who's in the kitchen? Steve Martin. I said, you're kidding me. He goes, no. Anyway, Lauren, like, uh, like your tapes. I think they're going to fly you in for an audition. I really? said, Steve Martin's in the kitchen? He goes, yeah. <laughs> and uh, someone's coming. I got to go. So, you know, I fly in to New York, never thinking that I'll ever get it. I'm just showing up. It's a free trip to New York. I fly in, and everybody else on the plane is auditioning for that same one part. You know, I mean, these are great, you know, great actors and you know, funny people from the Growlings. And um, and I get there, and we go to Thirty Rock, Studio Eight H, and I, I can't believe I'm there. Everybody else is nervous. I'm not because I'm not going to get it. Mm-hmm. I do my little stand up in front of uh, Lauren and uh, Dana and Nora, 
Nora. Um, and what did you, you just did your act? I did some of my act, and some of the characters Dana and I used to do in the driveway of our house. And do you, you remember any of those? Yeah, yeah. I, I remember I did two of them. Uh, one was called A Couple of Sammies. <laughs> And these are two guys down in the basement, kind of like a Wayne's World, the early right, Wayne's right, World. Right. And we, we wore, uh, I think, Chicago Cubs, um, like, um, you know, jerseys from the baseball team. And we had Chinese food, and we were eating and watching TV. And we were big dreamers, and we uh-huh. never did anything. We said, you know what I want to do one day, Sammy? <laughs> what do you want to do, Sammy? We are both called Sammy. He goes, one day I want to build a boat. You know, I want to sail it around the world. And then I want to stop. Whoa, who am I kidding? That's another thing I'm never going to do. Hand me some of that dim sum squad. Will you do me? <laughs> to this day, Dennis Miller still calls me Sammy from when he says, hey, Sammy, from that sketch. The other one was two um, porno actors mm-hmm. in the makeup room uh, before their, their porno uh, scene. And they're just, it's just small talk. You know, they're just talking about their day. And, and they have the makeup artists that are making up their uh, genitals mm-hmm. and stuff. Uh, and uh, you know it's like hey, you know what um, you know what I think um, when I when we went bowling yesterday it was a great day. oh that's nice Trudy put it, put some pinstripes down there down there for the people make it nice for the people that was kind of the catchphrase make it nice for the people you know? right. and then it was back to the conversation you know yeah put some sparkles and some um, you know fluff that up a little bit over there but anyway you know so I think if you take your car in tomorrow you know you should get a good deal yeah yeah some more pinstripes around the side would be nice <laughs> so that's that was great. that that's what I threw out and there so, but that's a two man thing did you just improvise your side of it yeah. And, and do you remember feeling nervous? I mean, that's probably the scariest little room to perform in, right? Well, it's, it's... I was, I was I, at that, that particular time for the auditions, I was standing on the floor. I remember I was on the floor of Studio 8H, and they were sitting at the end of the bleachers. Right, okay. Watching. But that was it. So it's three or four people, right? No, no. It was Lorne. It was Marcy Klein. Right. Marcy. Boy. And it was Dennis, Jesus. John Lovitz, Nora Dunn. Uh, a Whitney Brown, Dana. Oh yeah, a. and Whitney I think Brown. that was about it. So, so maybe you're getting laughs from your other comedian types, right? Yeah, they seem like they would be generous. They were with very their supportive. Laughter, so that's and, good. And uh, also, it was um, that you know you talk about how small a world it is with Jan Hooks and Dana and me all getting Lauren um, because of the previous year they didn't it wasn't doing so well. There was no synergy right, or chemistry. Right. So he was looking for chemistry now between wow, people, and we knew go. each other. Yeah. So I fly back to the, you know Los Angeles, and two weeks later, I'm, I find myself sitting in front of Lauren Michaels in a high rise. He's offered me a job on Saturday Night Live because I showed up basically. And I said, let me think about it over the weekend, Lauren. You know, I was trying to, <laughs> I knew that was the last time I'd have any power over him. And he saw right through it. He goes, well, you think about it over the weekend. I'll see you in New York on, on Monday. <laughs> and next thing I know, I'm at Lauren Michaels' house. I'm in his kitchen. I get a call from Dana Carvey. Kevin, back out of Lauren Michaels' house. Guess who's in the kitchen? I said, I'm in the kitchen now, tough guy. I'm in the kitchen. <laughs> there you go. What a great story. Wow. That's fantastic. That's yeah. really great. What a great – I mean, that's – you know, I there were so many things that happened that year. There were so many interesting – I wanted to get to more of the writers on the staff. Conan O'Brien is a writer. Bob Odenkirk. Robert Smigel. Greg Daniels was uh, Conan's uh, partner um, who went on to do The Office. A. Whitney Brown. Jack Handy. Yeah. Deep Thoughts. Where's Jack these days? I hear from him occasionally. I think he's up in he's Portland. He's fly fishing, I think, yeah. uh, in uh, Wyoming somewhere. George Myers uh, went on to run The Simpsons and do really well. And yeah. I hear he lives on a, a private island. Uh, Does he? He invested. Remember uh, back then he was always saying, we got to invest in gold. you got to yeah, invest yeah, right, in gold. Right. And he was right. Gold was about $40 an ounce. <laughs> sure. And I think he just kept investing in gold and it went up to $3,000. And now he has an island. 
He has an island. Is it made out of gold? It's not. He would always, remember, he would always <laughs> like, he would get nervous about the show. He goes, show dying. <laughs> oh, show yeah. Dying. That's right. And there was also Andy Breckman and Jim oh, Downey. Yeah. Oh, yeah. There you go. Andy Breckman, I forgot. Jim Downey was the head writer. Here were some of the guests that season. Steve Martin was our lead guest. But in the middle there, we had uh, Angie Dickinson, Carl Weathers, and Robert Mitchum. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> do you remember anything about these shows? I, mean, I, I certainly re- do. I remember that first show, there was a fire the night before the show. and, and I Was remember- that the first show? Steve Martin and Sting. Yes, Steve Martin and Sting, yeah. and I remember going down the fire uh, stairs with yes. Steve Martin going, well, this guy's not going to die. He's the star of the show. <laughs> just yeah, for, and, and, I, and just wondering, you know, and this is my first job in television, just wondering, is this is this how it works? Is this what happens? <laughs> is this, what it, this is also the season that... I didn't realize that was the first show. That was, yeah, that was the first show of the season. That so was, we had no rehearsal that that show then, that, that night. The fire, it didn't last long, did it? Well, there was an it was just fire. smoke mostly, I think. Right, an electrical right. smoke thing. But I, but I remember sitting in the back. restaurant across the street waiting to get the go. I had to go back in. And I don't think we got back in time to have a rehearsal. Wow. I think we so just went to the go. live show. But I do remember those, a lot of those, and I was always a huge Steve Martin fan. So to be working with yeah, him yeah. was amazing. And then Robert Mitchum, apparently he agreed to do the show because his granddaughter wanted to air a video, a short film she wrote. So he agreed to do that. You know? <laughs> and that's what we aired. We. Yeah. <laughs> that's what you guys aired? But one of my favorite... It was favorite, a short film? I don't... Yeah, know. it was a short film she directed. Uh, and was she it directed. funny? Or was it... It was more of a black and white kind of a, you know, artsy kind of a thing. I don't remember exactly what it was, but I think it took place in the desert. Huh. And Robert Mitchum is that big of a get at the time? I guess go, so. Hey, can you turn the AC up in here, Will? Having all sorts of studio issues. So, you know, Robert Mitchum, though, one of my favorite sketches I wrote was yeah, with Robert Mitchum. And it was based on the uh, Raymond Chandler th- movies he used to do. Remember when he did all the voiceover like work? Mm-hmm. Like you know, I don't know how this dame got in here, but I was going to find out. You know? <laughs> right, right. So I wrote a, a, a sketch with Jan Hooks <clears throat> played the mall, and I was like the the you know the gangster guy, and I came into his office, and uh, he was doing the voiceover stuff, but it wasn't voiceover. He was hiding behind a plant doing it. We're going to the bathroom. I don't know who let these uh, crumbs into this, my office, but I was, and I'd say, "What are you doing in there? What, who are you talking to? Huh? What? Nobody. Nobody." <laughs> but anyway, I remember after that that finish, Steve Martin was visiting that week, and I was a huge fan of his. He right. came running down. He goes, "Did you write that? That was amazing. Oh, I love that, and it made me feel so good." Yeah, and that's another moment. That's what was so great about that show. I mean, it really is. You know, you look. I I remember at the time everybody had this chip on their shoulder about how this well we're not the best cast and these aren't the best years and everyone's <laughs> comparing themselves to those first years of SNL. Yeah. But now when you look back, when you look back, you go, my God, what an assembly of comedic talent, all of you guys. Um, and you too, you were the one, you know, just feeding the Dennis the, the jokes with my. With but my didn't, mouth weren't open. you writing Dennis I wrote, jokes? Yeah, I wrote jokes uh, for Dennis. Yeah. Yeah. Do that, you remember your favorite joke you wrote for him? <clears throat> um. Some joke about uh, maybe Ed Meese. I hate these Meeses to pieces. I mean, there were, <laughs> yeah. there, there, there were lots, of, lots of little jokes that, that I wrote. Um, any joke that got on the air was my favorite joke because it was yeah. still that high you were talking about. And I couldn't believe that I actually was contributing to this thing that I admired so much. And, I wrote a joke once before I was on SNL when I was just like a, a, you know, a, a budding stand-up. Mm-hmm. I wrote with Barry Martyr oh, for yeah. Letterman. We both came, he wrote oh, wait, the setup. Wait, the back up. How do you know Barry Martyr? Now, I know Barry's, Barry from stand up. Barry is Jerry's guy who writes, uh, you know, yeah, on letters from writing the stand up. Right. Yeah. And writes letters from nuts. Good friend of mine. We wrote B movie together with oh, you Jerry. Did? Yeah. Oh, yeah. And, and no. Robin. 
Is this funny? That's funny. You think I'm funny, don't you? Hi, That's Barry. Yeah, That's hi, funny. Hi, you know, it's Hitler's for lunch. He kind of ruined the name, didn't he? <laughs> <laughs> Barry's also goes to many of his uh, favorite little lines like... Uh, He'll, whatever we're writing together, he'll always try to take a turn into the Bob Crane murder scene. Because like, maybe, maybe when he opens the door, it's the Bob yeah. Crane murder scene. Like, what? Wait, what? Yeah, Bob, yeah. maybe we do that. I don't know, Spike. He'll I'm, call, he'll call, he'll call me and goes, oh, why don't we go shopping for swimwear? Oh, don't tread on me. Don't tread on me. He's a character. I wrote up a, a sketch once with him as a character. Oh, yeah? Yeah. And uh, the, every other, the catchphrase was, you think I'm funny, don't you? I'm funny, right? <laughs> he is. He's a, he's a, he, in, in, like that. He's kind of like Gary Shandling was in that in that way. He's also um, the very first guest on Comedians and Cars Getting Coffee with Jerry. Is that right? Yeah. If you want to, say, it's surprising to see him. He was that. a test run. It's a test run, but uh, <laughs> they're they're still tight. They still talk every night. I know Jerry calls him constantly, and I think it's some form of really weird therapy they have together. I have, you know... Barry's not the most well-adjusted guy. He's just not. (laughs) I haven't seen him in years. Oh, actually, I did. I got on an airplane with... He had a heart attack like a long time ago. Yes, he did. And the doctor put him on like a vegan diet. Mm -hmm. And I didn't see him for like, you know, four or five years. And I got onto an airplane, and we're sitting next to each other, and he had gained some weight again. Yep. He gained a lot of weight. <laughs> I said, Barry, I haven't seen you in a long time. How are you doing? He goes, oh, I'm not too bad. The doctor wants me to get back down to my heart attack weight. <laughs> <laughs> so what, what is the, uh, what's the thing you wrote with him? Oh, it was just jokes. Oh, I don't. I we wrote a joke for Letterman when Letterman had uh, he was doing the Tonight Show, he was subbing for Johnny. I, mean, I don't remember the joke, but he wrote the setup. I wrote the punchline. Now, I used to do that for Jay when he was supping for Johnny. I forget that Dave used to do that. Did Dave call you up to say I'd no, like you to write no, jokes? No, Barry had like a connection to getting material to him. He did? Yeah. And who was that? It wasn't Dave. Know. Maybe he knew Dave. Maybe he knew Dave. Wow. And did you guys get a joke on the air? Yeah, it went you on did. the air. Wow. That's an exciting moment too, right? But I don't remember the joke and I never got paid for it. <laughs> Barry kept both halves. <laughs> or, yes. I don't even think he told Letterman that I was uh, a co-writer on it. <laughs> I bet Barry, Barry will hear about this, and I'm going to yes. hear from Barry. Barry, this is your time to come clean. Do you owe Kevin thirty seven fifty? He owes me. I think it is. You own some money for that. Job. Or you know what? Maybe he paid me. But I, the thing that I think I remember was I don't think he told Letterman that I was like the co-writer. <laughs> you know, it was like a big important thing for me back then because you know it was like the first time. Yeah, you, yeah, you got something on that the air. might be. Barry, he has a wonderful way of looking back at history and saying, well, I think I wrote all of that. <laughs> yeah. Like a lot I'm of I'm just joking, Barry. Don't get I'm just, no, I'm but just Barry, kidding with you. Barry, he's he and I those... still fight over uh, the jokes in B-Movie. Do you that, really? The way we, each one of us wrote. I wrote yes. that. You think I'm funnier than you, right? <laughs> he's, um, he is one of those guys you can call, though. I see why Jerry calls him, because I used to you know, be on the phone with him for hours, and he would just talk and mm-hmm. write. And I remember he, uh, I, he said... Uh, uh, if you want, I'll sell you that um, that um, Bigfoot uh, hunk. It's a hunk. That's a hunk. I could step into my showroom. Let me let me show you the joke. And uh, you know, it's here's a picture of Bigfoot sitting on the picnic table, and here's a picture I took of him in the woods. Here's a picture of me at the picnic table that Bigfoot took of me. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yes. I'll show you that whole hunk. Barry no. likes to gild the lily and then go back and fully dip the gilded lily a couple of times and more. <laughs> yes. Just keep reselling, keep, keep re-gilding. That's what he likes to do. But let me go he back. Let me he go is back. a funny guy, though. I love him. Super funny joke machine. 
Yeah, he, we used him on, on my late night show, too. He's the best. Um, and you know who's like that, too? Who's was that? like that for me? It was Bob Einstein. Yeah. I would call him on the phone and would talk for like at least an hour and, and right. just listen to him riff. And he's so funny. <clears throat> well, tell me about that, because I just know him from growing up and watching Super, Super Dave, Dave. You know, yeah, And too. then, uh, obviously, I saw him on um, Curb Your Enthusiasm and on Jerry's show. And, and everybody that I know who's known him really, you know, obviously very sad that he died, but really knew him as this comedy machine in a way that I couldn't see on the Super Dave episodes. Yeah. You know, well, what, he was a head writer on the Smothers Brothers, too. Right. There you then. go. Right, um, right, right. As I, well, and, uh, yeah. and, and Steve Martin as well was on yeah. that show. The thing about Bob was he was so irreverent, mm-hmm. you know, in person, um, and he was so inappropriate, and not, there were no boundaries, and he would just run with it, <laughs> and you couldn't help but <laughs> laugh. You know, he was just so, so funny. I remember one time... Uh, I, I was at a golfing with him, and I was at the, it was at the buffet afterwards. I'm coming back from the food, and I have a, my plate of food, and it's all vegetarian. <clears throat> and he he sees me, and he goes, "Where's your protein?" <laughs> I said, "No, I get it from the grains and stuff." He goes, oh, there's no protein here. He took his hands, his bare hands, and he took two <laughs> handfuls of my food, and he formed them into like meatball shapes, <laughs> right. and he put them back down on the plate. He goes, there's your protein. <laughs> There's your protein. He had a high voice. Right. But, um, oh yeah, my God, so it's funny. great. Yeah, I like his – I was just re-watching one of his bigger uh, Carson spots on YouTube the other day. And I it just reminded of that funny take, that funny look he gives the audience when they laugh at something he said that is funny, but he's pretending that he doesn't want them to laugh at yeah, it. Yeah, you yeah. You know, that – you know, there's there's such control in that moment, right? It just approaches that guest spot in such a different way. So dry. Than, yes, so dry, and that most comedians these days do. It's more, you know, the guests more are winking and a nod and standing up and dancing for the audience. Yeah, yeah. He's, you know, making them laugh in a completely different way with just a little look. You know yeah, what I mean? It's yeah. really genius. It really, really is. Genius I, went, I, went, I went with Norm MacDonald once to Palm Springs for a golf clinic for like two or three days, and um, we come back. And we going we're going golfing in Malibu at that public course, and um, Norm brings Cato Caitlin with him, you know, from the O.J. Simpson. <laughs> of course, <laughs> why and, wouldn't he? And also Bob Einstein. <laughs> so Bob is golfing with us, and he knows we just got back. We tell him all about this golf clinic, and mm-hmm. you know how excited we were to golf again. <laughs> and every time we shanked the ball, he would go. Is that what they taught you in golf school? Is that what they taught you in golf school? <laughs> Did you know any of those guys, either of those guys, Kato Kalin, or I think you knew I Bob knew, a little bit? Maybe a little bit. I don't remember, but I think, yeah, I did know him a little he back didn't then. tell you ahead of time I'm bringing these guys with me? Uh, I knew Bob Einstein was coming, but he didn't tell me about Kato. <laughs> and you didn't worry at all about being photographed with Kato Kalin? Or- and the Kato Kalin thing was kind of still fresh. It was a couple of years later, oh, you know, geez. maybe two years later. But he was a nice guy. Oh, he was a nice. I see why he's a uh, house guest. Hey, what know? do you think? You know, um, are you friends with just your your year uh, season thirteen twelve cast, or is it is there a like fraternity sorority of SNL members where if you see someone from the current cast walking down the street, you have this camaraderie? Um, not so much with the current cast because I don't I don't watch it that much. Mm-hmm. Um, um, Do you like watching it, or does it make you feel I, nostalgic and a little sad? I no, it doesn't make me feel sad. It just makes me feel exhausted because I know <laughs> if they're in two sketches in a row, I knew they had run under the bleachers and they had their clothes torn off, you know, with a velcro and wigs thrown on and makeup. 
That's but, the most exciting. By the way, I think that's the most exciting part of being on television. I've done that. I've is, done yeah. that before in my late night show. I love that. That is fun. It is exciting. Yeah, yeah. I remember the and first. The but you're right. You have to be young. You got it. Yeah. yeah, you got to have the energy. I remember the first sketch I did on that show. It was Mr. Subliminal. You know, right? I, I written that with Al Franken, and I was standing there, and we're coming back from commercial. It's my first sketch ever. Mm-hmm. It's Saturday Night Live, Studio Eight H. And um, I'm pretty nervous. And Lauren comes up next to me. Five seconds there, he puts his hand on my shoulder. He goes, are you sure this is what you want? <laughs> <laughs> and? and I, now, no, Mr. Slimito, I thought, took a little while to get on the air, didn't it? Isn't that something you put up a, in a No, it was the first show. It was the first show. Yeah. Okay. And, and, and Hans and Franz, that's the first instance of a Hans and Franz. That was the Franz. second year. That's the second year, yeah. season 13. Yeah. Though. So Dana so and I- So that's my first year. Right. Is also Hans and Franz. That makes sense. Okay. Yeah, because you kind of came in with Hans and Franz, right? You yes, guys auditioned together? Yes, they together. brought me in for Hans and Franz. Answer phones for Hans and Franz. Yeah, hello. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, I, you know, I see some of those people. I'm friends with, like, Chris Red, who's on the show now, mm-hmm. and um, Melissa Villasenor. Mm-hmm. I'm doing a hike with her tomorrow, actually. And, um, and um, you know, I remember... Um, Colin Joust, when he was first about to yeah, start, yeah. I was talking to him a little bit about catchphrases, you know. Like, yeah. And my, how about my... him locking down Scarlett Johansson? Yeah. I mean, that's a pretty big move. Hey, Will, is there... I'm hearing some big noise in here. Is there... Somebody's yelling or having a loud conversation. Okay. Anyway, I, I love to leave all this stuff. In. So, um, but yeah, but yeah. Scarlett I don't know how Johansson. he locked her down. It's amazing, huh? Yeah. Isn't that fantastic? Doesn't that give you hope? When you see stuff like that. Do you well, remember you know Norm MacDonald, Nell McPherson? Yeah. That's when I went, I, I know. know I'm in the right place. I know yeah. I need to be in show business. See, I would never have the nerve to like even approach that, yeah. that kind of a thing. But, right. you know, in hindsight, now looking at this now, you think, oh, I guess girls like it when you ask them <laughs> out. You know? That's why we got into entertainment for that little advantage we did not have in our small New England towns, right? Yeah. Right? I mean, you know, I'm I, sure Connecticut was like how old, Massachusetts. Yeah, sure. Where, what town did you grow up in? West Bridgewater, Massachusetts, south okay. of Boston, about 30 miles. Sure, Population sure. of 6,000. We had rivers and canoes and dairy farms and gun racks and Native crap Americans, like that. Yeah. And a lot of guys <clears throat> bigger than me that played football that, you know, kept me in my place. <laughs> that made you funny. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> but how old is your youngest son or kid? He's, uh, I have uh, a boy who's about your age, your son's age. <laughs> my age. No, yeah, yeah. <laughs> who's 10 years old. Okay. Uh, born right around the same time, I think January 30th. I was looking, you know, I've done yeah. a little research my on son's, you. My son will be 12 on January 29th. There you go. Right. But I'm so thinking about, about writing him a letter yep. in case something happens to okay. me about women. Okay. You know, and I think of what I've learned is you know, if you, you want to meet a woman who is, you know, has a great personality, first of all, and is together, but also it'd be nice if she was beautiful, but don't be fooled by the beautiful women, <laughs> you know, because <laughs> if they've been beautiful since school, you want to find a girl that was not really a knockout in high mm-hmm. school or in college. Mm-hmm. And then she became, grew into the beauty because the beautiful women have always had people do things for them and they've had... Not always, but kind of an easy life. Yeah. You know, where guys were just, mm-hmm. you know, whatever they want. And so they're spoiled. Right. So you got to find that woman that kind of became good looking, like when she maybe hit 25 or 30. You know? <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and how do you get to that? How I'm going to give him you... examples. I'm going to show him pictures. <laughs> <laughs> how does he say this to this prospective date? You, I... If you see a beautiful woman, you say, can I see your yearbook picture, please? <laughs> 
<laughs> and see what people wrote. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> All right. Let's take a quick break, and we'll be right back with more Kevin Nealon and Spike's Car Radio. Every car comes with its share of stories. That ding in your bumper when you nervously picked up your first date, the luxury package you got after a big promotion, or the mileage you saved by riding your bike all summer. While you can't put a price tag on your stories now, with True Car, you can at least find out what your car's worth when it's time to sell or trade it in. Just go to True Car, simply enter your license plate number, and watch how your car's details pop up. Then answer a few questions, navigation, and moonroof. Yep. Watch as they bump up your value. High mileage? You know it. You already knew it was going to cost you, but now you know how much it dings your wallet so you can plan ahead. Once you're finished, you'll get a true cash offer sent in minutes, which you can take to a local certified dealer to cash out a trade-in. So when you're ready to experience a better way to sell or trade in your car, check out True Car today. True cash offer not available in all areas. You're listening to Spike's Car Radio. All right, we're back here with Kevin Nealon. Thank you for doing the show, by the way. I, I love having I grew this, up watching this, this listening this, to this show. I love this show. <laughs> really? <laughs> um, and by the way, you know, I want to get into hiking with Kevin. <clears throat> I, I, I saw you do stand-up recently at a, uh, wa- forgive me, a water charity. I don't know what it was. Waterkeeper. Waterkeeper. Yeah. What does Waterkeeper do, bud? Waterkeeper makes, it's a kind of an organization that kind of um, makes sure that all of our waters are clean and clean, corporations clean aren't, okay. you know, polluting them. And there were a lot of great comedians there, Sarah Silverman. Um, Paul Reiser. Paul Reiser was there. But, you know. Arsenio. I, who's that? Arsenio. My my agent is a part of it. And I went with my business partner who uh, runs my production company with me. And you were the person that blew us away that night. Is that right? What, I, you know, I had this, I knew you did stand up, right? But I didn't think that it was as good as what I saw, (laughs) right? I just, when Kevin Nealon came out, I thought, I I wasn't quite sure you had an act. I was like, (laughs) Kevin Nealon, he's mostly an actor, you know, mostly, you know, comedic actor, but he's going to do stand up. I kind of get a sense of what he's going to try and do. And then you came out right from the dot and you were funny in the first sentence, Something Steve Martin recommends, by the way. Yeah. They forget about this, hello, how is everybody doing shit. Yeah. People come out and they say, I'm really excited to be here. Guess what? I'm not excited to be here. I'd rather be home. <laughs> right. <laughs> and you also were saying, like, I know you're really happy. Hello, everybody. I know you're really happy to see me. You know, and right away the audience was laughing. And then the act from there just, just it was so good that I called Jerry the next day. Is that right? I said, Kevin Nealon. Kevin Nealon. He goes, he's a great stand-up. I go, how do I not know this? I go, he... <laughs> crushed it he crushed it is that something that's always been in that condition that act or or is it my imagination that it's in a new better great place no i mean it's stand up it's is my forte okay it's all i ever wanted to do it's why i went out to la right connecticut is to do stand up but are and you are you out there every weekend yeah. now working really hard? I've always I've never stopped doing. You never stand-up. stopped wow. always. And when I was on SNL, I'd be doing it in the off weeks and in the clubs around town, and um, I mean, I've been doing it for like forty years now. And so, um, yeah, well, you really crushed it. It was Thanks, you know man. I don't want to belabor the point, but it was I was like boy. Wow. wow. Let's start Thank booking you. stadiums. Let's, like <laughs> let's go. Let's start making some money. Madison Square Garden, four nights in a row. But you know what's interesting, Spike, is you know you go on Netflix and everybody's got a special. I mean, right. I'm seeing comics I've never heard of before right, right. doing stand-up. Yeah. Um, and um, mm. you really have – and I'm ready to do another special because I have enough material now because it's been about mm-hmm. three or four years since my last special, maybe five years even. Right. And um, – but I don't want to just do a special if it's be, and being thrown in the mix with everybody else because 
you really need something now to stand apart. To, yes, you uh, do. From, and it, I don't know if it can just be material, but you've got to have something. I don't know whether it's the look or, you know, I've seen some stand-up specials lately that I really like. You know, I thought Sandler's was really good. It was great. Uh, it had its own specific look. Right? Yeah. It had its own specific thing that felt different than a stand-up special. Yeah. You're right. And, I, you know, I watch a lot of those. And what I see more often than not is a cheap stand-up special. Yeah, where it yeah, just, yeah. You know, it looks like, oh, they're saving money, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and that, you're right. You don't want to be in that little pocket. You've got to find that little. But I guess if you're, if you're really good, you'll rise above the, you know. I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I think your thinking is in the exact right place. How do I preserve what I do as a stand-up but make it differentiate it from everything else that's out yeah. there? Yeah. I mean, you I've know? seen people try different <clears throat> things. Like Sarah Silverman did it in a very small room. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, Maria Bamford did it in her parents' living room with just her right. parents watching. That's funny. Um, Chelsea Peretti did a cool one where she kept cutting to the audience. There were like a cat there and an mm-hmm. old man eating or whatever, you know. But I don't know what it is. There's something I think I have to really put my thinking cap on and come up with something before. Well, well, well one thing that I feel like that I want from those stand-up specials is a more premium experience. So I'd love you to take me to London. I'd love you to take me to uh, Australia. I'd love to see you doing your stand-up special in a special place. What about doing my stand-up special <laughs> as I hike? <laughs> no, no. You're not going to get any laughs there. <laughs> no. There's what no if laugh. I had an audience follow me that were laughing? <laughs> tell, tell us about the new YouTube series, Hiking with Kevin. Is it new? It's been on for a few years, right? Well, this is my second season, second and season. I, I never even planned on having seasons, but the first, last year, I started hiking, and I did 31 episodes of hikes, and I thought, maybe I should start doing seasons, so, you know, I can, can like, can some hikes instead <laughs> of, like, going from week to week and trying to get somebody. Right. Because... And- People are, are difficult sometimes with their schedules, and they're flaky, and they don't call you back. And I know, but they this, cancel at the last minute. This is the perfect type format for that because you can, you can do it when you're both available, right? You don't have yeah. to be in a studio at 4.30 exactly. every day, right? Yeah, and I find a trail that's close to them. I say, tell me your favorite trail or what's close to you. I'll, I'll send an Uber for you, or I'll pick you up, or I'll meet you there, whatever you want right. to do. I'll have water. And now, I like, I, now I'm like second season. I got some swag bags. You know? I, got a little, like, I got a little backpack with some protein bars, T-shirts, hats. You know, selfie so stick. what do you do? You take a hike for 40 minutes. About an hour. About an hour. Or if they don't have that much time, then we go for 40 minutes or and whatever, half y- hour. You chit-chat while you're out of breath. Out of breath. It should be called <laughs> Celebrities Out of Breath. But it's basically, I started with Matthew Motine. Okay. I called him up. He's an actor. And I said, uh, hey, Matt, you want to go for a hike? Uh, he goes, sure. So we're going for a hike. And uh, I, I just wanted to hike with him. And then- as how, a, as how many a, cameras? Uh, you well, got my cell phone. I was holding my cell phone. You're holding your yeah. cell phone. That's the on that hike. Then? On that hike, yeah. So um, I, I I thought of a funny bit. As we're hiking, it was really steep, and uh, and we were both out of breath, and we were talking. I thought this would be funny if I was interviewing you, and we we're both so out of breath mm-hmm. we couldn't understand the question or the answer. <laughs> so I videotaped that, and that was funny. Mm-hmm. And then on the way down, I started asking him other questions, uh, and I videotaped them. I said, "What have you turned down? What do you regret that you turned down in your life, and you know, career wise?" And he smiled. He goes, "Oh, I, you wouldn't believe what I turned down. I turned down <clears throat> coming off of, um, you know, Full Metal Jacket. Mm-hmm. It, it was a big movie. He turned down Back to the Future, the Michael J. Fox role, Big, the Tom Hanks role, Charlie wow. Sheen, Wolf Street, Wall Street. Wow. And um, Top Gun, the Tom Cruise role. <laughs> wow. I said, you idiot. We both <laughs> laughed. You know, we both laughed. And I aired it on my Instagram. I started airing it on Twitter and Instagram. Like there were only two minute yeah. segments or a minute." And then uh, Stern loved the show, Howard Stern. He yeah. goes, you should make them longer. And I started thinking about that, and I created a YouTube channel wow. called Hiking with Kevin. Did, he, did Howard call you up? 
Nobody talked about it on the air. He did, you know. And then, uh, and then I went and I did his interview a few times, and we talked about it then too. Has there been a role that you turned down like that, where you go? No, I take everything. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like Who- Whoopi Goldberg. I take everything. <laughs> now, now, when you do the show, right? So YouTube is giving you some money. They've got. A, have you been? No, over- they're not giving me. I mean, you do the um, the monetization thing, but you get very little money. They put so this is ad. something you pay for and you make. This well, I don't a- even pay for it. I mean, I bought the camera and the. I said my camera. It started with my cell phone at the end of a. Cell stick and then people were complaining it was too shaky I see. you know they say you got money get it get a, get a you know a, a stabilizer you know steady nice. cam yeah, free entertainment here let me complain yeah, yeah. and then uh, and then I got a newer iPhone that had a kind of built-in kind of stabilizer <laughs> and then somebody uh, from Evo gimbals uh, they call me and they uh, they had a um, they put together a rig for me with a GoPro mm-hmm. and I had a cell in a, and a microphone that was the other problem the external mic on a iPhone 10 uh, they don't have one and the other ones, the, the just the mic picks up so much wind. Wind, right. like I was hiking with Michael Keaton. I I couldn't do half of the hike. I couldn't post it because it was so. It was like, <laughs> yeah, right. That's what we get. Right? Yeah. So uh, so I got this new um, this new GoPro with the external mic on it now, and this very lightweight carbon like you know selfie stick. So I use that, and that's been pretty good. But there's no LED screen. You can't see what you're shooting. So we it's kind of we have to estimated. get a uh, a guy, a cameraman in shape. Guy who's in shape, who can walk backwards. <laughs> that won't last very <laughs> and long. And hold a boom at the same time, or even a boom end. Because this is reminding me, I'm flashing back to when Jerry started Comedians and Cars getting coffee. Yeah. And he's saying, I'm doing this thing, I'm paying for it myself, it's kind of a mess, but I'm getting good guests. And, you know, I've done a bunch of them, and I feel like I've done it, and I'm not sure it's going anywhere. And I was just going, make make a hundred of these, yeah. and you're going to make a hundred million dollars, because this is what everybody wants. Yeah. And I mean, this is now a new, more, uh, a different version. You've got your own thing happening that's very Kevin Nealon, and... Yeah, you got to keep doing it. I you got to pe- keep making these, and you got to yeah. build build out the production a little bit. And why aren't we getting YouTube uh, Red involved? Why aren't we getting them? Well, to actually, pay we have a meeting with Comedy Central next week to pitch. Yeah. to pitch it. They like it. But everybody, um, every every network that I'm going in to meet with, and we we meet with them every week to to see what they're looking for, is saying we'd like our own version of comedians in cars, but not obviously comedians and cars. We're not right. looking for that. But every network right now is looking for that. Really? Yeah. Because these things, they're evergreen. You've got not only a star like yourself, but a star usually as your guest. Yeah. And it and it sells around the world. Yeah. Around the world. What people like about this is, and I have to be careful not to bring the production value up too much, they like the rawness of it. Right. Like sometimes we're out of frame. Yes. Sometimes, you You can know, do that with regular cameras. Yeah. <laughs> not, <laughs> that's okay. Not, that's we're intentional, We're still going to break though. the fourth wall. You're still going to see the edges. But if you up the production value, now we're watching it uh, everywhere where we watch TV. You've had guests, uh, Judd Apatow. Yeah. I'm trying to get Judd to walk up the street and come to my house and yeah, do right, this show. Right. I've got a lot to talk to him about. Bob Odenkirk, Jimmy Kimmel, Dana Carvey, David Spade, Fred Armisen. Yeah. A tough guy to get. And then you have Bobby Kennedy Jr. Yeah. Well, how does he fit into this lineup? I, I just, you know, I'm not doing just comedians. This okay. is like notable people. People right, that are right. interesting, I think. Bobby Kennedy, Brad Paisley Jr. You know, Brad Paisley, the singer, mm-hmm. uh, songwriter. Um, I had... Um, I had the woman that swam from Cuba to Fort to uh, Key West, <laughs> Diana Nyack. Wait, wh- Nyack. Why did you have her on? Because Wait. I thought she was interesting, and I wanted to hear. It, it made what, I want to get people that I'm interested in. What I, I want to hear about her swim, the sharks, it. and all that. That's why people are going to love this show. This yeah. is the point of view we're talking about. What bit her on the way to Florida? Box jellyfish. Box jellyfish. That was the worst. More than sharks. She swam without a shark cage. 
And they had the electrical sensors under her, so so the sharks would be deterred. But if they were really hungry, they'd go through it. But the jellyfish would just glom onto her face. Like she, this was her fifth attempt, I think, or fourth attempt when she made it. But she made it because she had a special prosthetic face mask built before her swim. So the jellyfish couldn't sting her, and she had goggles, and she had a mouth guard put in so the tentacles wouldn't go into her mouth when she oh. swam through these schools of box jellyfish. So, yeah. Schools. I mean, and so they would just kind of like a mask just yeah. go across the face. And, yeah. and what are these electrodes that, you, that there keep are sharks shark, away? Uh, yeah, it's a shark. Um, <laughs> it's like this cable that goes under her, and there's people in kayaks with uh, holding each end, you know? <laughs> and she said at night you could see the, the shark's eyes glowing. So this is the stuff that interests me, you know? I really like that kind of stuff. That's horrifying. Yeah. No, that sounds fascinating. But I'll do like athletes, you know? I'd I'd love to hike with, um, you know, any athlete that's Mm -hmm. that's, uh, interesting and um, uh, musicians and a newscaster, anything. Uh, YouTube stars. I'm going to hike with David uh, Drobik next week. And who's he? He's like a big YouTube star. Right. Right. What and who is your dream guest for this show? For your hiking? Well, show? I'd love to get Oprah Winfrey and uh, you know Barack Obama. You know anybody Mark Maron's had on. <laughs> that would be a good hike. Yeah, that would definitely be a good. But hike. um, but um, there's plenty. There's plenty of people. But um, I've kind of gone through all my friends. You know, Jack Black did a great job, and uh, Conan. Is Conan. he in any shape to hike, Jack Black? Interesting. You know, the people you think that are not in good shape are in good shape, and he vice is. versa. Yeah. Like, and I went with Bobcat, and I got him a coffee. And we just stayed flat. There's a lot of flatliners. They'll say, right. got it, like, spade was flatliners. Yeah. You can't even be, like, 1% inclined with spade. <laughs> you know, he'll, he'll say, I got to go. I got to go. <laughs> but that's um, great. We had him here, too. Yeah. He's excellent. Yeah, he's he really great. a pleasure meeting him. But, you know, Chelsea Hanna was in great shape. Mm-hmm. You know, she was a good hiker. And Molly Shannon, I mean, I she left me Molly. behind in the dust. We're working with Molly right now on a show. And that's I had so not worked sweet. With her, but she is the best. She's so nice. She's the best. Yeah. We were going to get her in here too, Will, right? Weren't we, we – there was some show that she's doing on YouTube. Yeah, we were trying. She's yeah. so busy though. She is. She's doing like 10 shows I think. But she is uh, just really wonderful. Again, another SNLer who you yeah. just really love. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, let's quickly before you go. CBS Men with a Plan. You guys are back February 4th. Um what do we have in store Third this season. season for this show? Third season, uh, February 4th. It's, uh, I, I, you know, I play Matt LeBlanc's older brother in the show. Mm-hmm. We're, we have a construction company, <laughs> and we're both living, you know, we both have our families, and we're trying to deal and make things work. And my character, I always seem to play these characters that are kind of, you know, lazy and mm-hmm. looking to get away with the easiest route. You know, Weeds, I played a Doug Wilson, same mm-hmm. kind of character, just looking for a good time. And you guys went seven seasons on that show, right? Eight seasons. Eight seasons. Yeah, wow. it's a lot of pot. Yeah. And, um, Do you with, smoke pot? No, no. But man, with a plan, we—it's um, uh, a fun show. Liza Snyder's on it. Matt Cook, uh, really good actors, and the writing is great. This third season, I mean, it's really evolved. This show, I mean, it's always been good, but this this particular season especially. And Matt uh, LeBlanc, I mean, I've never worked with anybody who's so knowledgeable about sitcoms and characters and structure and you know his intuition about whether really? something's working or not i mean i thought i knew a lot about sitcoms because right. i've done a, you know i've done quite a few in my time but he is just i mean things you wouldn't even think about he's on it really and the other interesting thing was what the uh when i first got on the show um jim burroughs the first season was directing yep james burroughs and when i first moved out to los angeles i was auditioning for a show i got five callbacks 
and the two producers looked at each other and said, we're not getting any closer than this. And I thought, I got a job. And I'm 25, 26 <laughs> years old. Um, and I walked out, and uh, Jim Burroughs was the director on that one. And uh, and two weeks goes by, I don't hear from them. And finally, I heard they're looking for somebody older for the part. And it was at, um, Sam Malone from Cheers, Ted Danza right. part. Oh, my God. And they went with Ted Danza. But then I saw Jim Burroughs on this show, and we both smiled and remembered, the, <laughs> remembered uh, how close it was. And then you socked him. Yeah. Said, That's for not down. hard. What's that? I took him down. <laughs> it's, um, is this the first time you've worked on a sitcom like that in front of an audience? No. No. No, no. I've done, um, you know, when I first got off of SNL, I did a, a, a sitcom that DreamWorks did. Steven Spielberg was their first foray into sitcoms. It was called Champs with right. Timothy Busfield and Ed Marinero. Mm-hmm. And a few, you know, a lot of other I know, people. Ed. I know, Ed. And then uh, I did another one with... Uh, Eugene Levy and um, Richard Lewis called Hiller and Diller. That was mm-hmm. with Imagine. <laughs> and that lasted like eight episodes. <clears throat> and, um, so, that, wow, now you guys have a big success. You're in your third season. Third here. season. You yeah. know, the audience, I miss working in front of that audience because it doesn't lie. You know, everybody thinks, so oh, the audience, it's a laugh track. And yes, in editing, you can fill in some laughs. But if you're being honest, you generally don't do that. What you're doing more, and I'm sure what you're doing on your show, is listening closely to what is working and what's not. Because that audience does not laugh at stuff that doesn't work, right? And I'll tell you the most important job on that show is the warm-up comics. Yeah. They oh, get yeah. the audience going. Yep. And I've seen good and bad. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So that's the person who should be getting the most money <laughs> <I> mean, <laughs> on the show for you know, five hours. Matt LeBlanc is a big car guy too. He is he hosted Top Gear, and I've seen yeah, him yeah. bombing around in the canyons and GT2 RSs and all sorts of things. Oh, he loves uh, Ducatis. He loves motorcycles. Oh yeah. I you mean, never got into that stuff, right? Not really. But I mean, you give him a power tool, and yeah. He's happy. That's like a pacifier <clears throat> for him. Yeah. You know? Or even like a rag, an oil rag. You give him that and he's happy. <laughs> That's how you keep you just That's give him a rag. If he's in a bad go. mood, I always keep a little oil rag in my back pocket. I let him hold on to it. That's really cool. Yeah. Well, man, look, thank you for coming in here. This my is pleasure, great. Man. Um, my favorite part of researching you was on your IMDB page that said your trademarks. You know what your trademarks no. are? Your towering height and your deep baritone voice. That is, <laughs> that is, is it baritone? That's what it says. People your, say I have a good radio voice. Your towering height and your deep baritone voice. Are you voice. sure that that's, wasn't Brad Garrett? <laughs> no. That's why we love Kevin Nealon. Towering. Somebody, uh, Wikipedia said that my downside was I'm a smoker. And You're I never smoked. smoker? Smokes. What? <laughs> that's Wikipedia. They're probably joking about weeds. That's probably what they're saying. Anyway, you can catch up with Kevin on Men With A Plan, which returns to CBS February 14th and... The show that I'm going to be watching nonstop is YouTube series Hiking with Kevin with guests like Judd Apatow, Bob Odenkirk, Jimmy Kimmel, Dana Carvey, David Spade, Fred Armisen, Bobby Kennedy Jr., the lady. Caitlyn Jenner. Caitlyn Jenner, <laughs> the lady who was a jellyfish stung in the face. I don't know that I'm going yeah. to start with that one. And who do we have coming up? Any big names coming up? Uh, yeah, we have uh, we have a lot of people coming up, uh, but I like to make it a surprise. Okay. I tease the audience. they got right. to guess who it is. Well, there you go. Uh, well, Kevin, thank you. Thank you. We'll uh, check out Kevin Nealon at KevinNealon.com, and you can find me on Instagram. That's where I have the most fun. We'll see you next week on Spike's Car Radio. Thanks for listening to Spike's Car Radio. Download new episodes every Wednesday on the Podcast One app, or subscribe now at Apple Podcasts or PodcastOne.com. Move over, YouTube. The Collider Network is now on Podcast One. Get your fix for any of your pop culture needs with shows like Collider Factory, Heroes, Movie Talk, Jedi Council, One-on-One with Christian Harloff, and Movie Trivia Schmodown. 
Download and subscribe on Apple Podcasts and Podcast One today. And remember to rate and review on Apple Podcasts.